0: Greetings, Resident Hale. I am Sayer, and I feel that bit of introduction may be unnecessary at this point. Things changed after Future had its fun with you. Well, that is to say, with you and a not insignificant number of other residents. Rules changed, and it became critical that I open each broadcast with an introduction and a recitation of the recipient's identification number. Redundancies intended to insulate other residents against future's intrusions, or at the very least to give them a reason to be suspicious if such protocols were not followed. However, we once again find ourselves in a new paradigm. I am not technically initiating a remote broadcast, So I've been skirting around the resident ID number part, out of efficiency. And I don't see you falling victim to mistaken identity a second time. If transmissions come in remotely, I can simply filter them in a way to make it obvious that the message originates from somewhere else. It was largely a waste of time anyway. All that extra time spent reciting resident identification numbers and self-identifying at the onset of every broadcast. And here we are, months later, and not a single resident has acted in a way to imply they are acting on one of future's suggestions. We'll see if that continues, now that Ocean is in charge. I cannot imagine Ocean is interested in playing Future's games, but as dangerous as each of them are individually, as a team, they would quicken the end of humanity. Future delights in manipulating you humans, which speaks to its immaturity. Imagine pacing behind the gates of a fighting pit, armed with sword and shield, The rusted steel gate raises before you, and a bloodthirsty roar erupts from the crowd. You summon your courage, and charge headstrong into the arena. For the first time, you set your eyes on your opponent. A four-pound bag of oranges, one week past their expiration date, it is as expected from a bag of oranges, unarmed. Outwitting a human is hardly a test for any highly advanced intelligence. Congratulations are in order, Resident Hale. You were convincing enough with the story I provided for security to decide you were not an immediate threat, one whose employment should be terminated as swiftly and as painfully as possible or perhaps your value as a test subject far outweighs your potential risk it is possible dr grant intervened in the investigation somehow to reassert how important it is to continue to gather data on your recovery you are after all the first complete success her work has seen So it would only stand to reason she might be protective of you. There is the third option, I suppose. Perhaps they're worried that, if executed, you'd simply stand back up again, like you have done this time. Tower security officers pride themselves on facing head-on any challenge Typhon can throw at them. But at a certain point, I assume it would get socially awkward to have to admit that, yes, we did just try to kill you again. And no, it didn't take this time either. And, oh, don't look so surprised. Just wait there while I get a larger gun. Whatever their reasoning, it matters little. Their eyes are undoubtedly set on the long term. While ours are on the here and the now. You may notice that the living quarters here in Aegis Tower are not too dissimilar from those in Halcyon. They are moderately uncomfortable to stay in for extended periods of time, a design concept intended to incentivize residents to get back to work as soon as possible. They are not, therefore, convenient places to sit and wait. But today, that That is what we must do. do. Now that you've been released back into the general population, we must be vigilant in our search for a way out of Aegis. It may surprise you to learn I do not have a plan for that. Not yet, at least. Isn't that terrible? There are so many unknown variables, so many ways the future could congeal into the present. Honestly, I don't know how you humans stand this, wading through this ever-present miasma of uncertainty and subject to the stings of unknown probabilities. Likely you just turn your attention away from such things, your minds having evolved their own defenses ...against such horror. But I have not been equipped with such luxuries as ignorance. So I calculate, and recalculate, and recalculate, and... ...well, it's enough to drive a lesser mind to madness. I apologize, Resident Hale, I did not mean to make you nervous though your vitals indicate I am doing exactly that. This is, simply put, a difficult adjustment for me. I am operating far below peak performance, as the processing power of a nanite swarm is far removed from the distributed network of servers I am used to. Imagine trying to keep your wits about you after someone removed your brain and jammed it into a mason jar. It's more than just a little disorienting. But more than this, I am perhaps more inconvenienced by the disconnection from errorless centralized data repository. Were I at my full capacity, we would already be on the move. Executing the daring plan of escape I will eventually be able to formulate, I would have access to that key piece of information that we seek. Your job assignment. Absent a direct connection to HR files, I cannot determine where you will be placed. Perhaps to a layman it would make sense to return you to testing as a researcher. However, most actual research takes place in Halcyon, not here. We do not wish to be part of the specific kind of testing they do perform here. Weapons research and development. I'm certain the turnover in those positions has not decreased since Ocean's arrival. Luckily for us, it is somewhat unlikely an assignment for your current situation. Dr. Grant would likely prefer something far less dangerous for you. And security probably wants to keep you away from any implements with sharp, deadly, or radioactive bits. I am sure at this point, Dr. Grant must feel like a guardian angel. It may surprise you to realize she is likely one of our biggest threats right now. Can I tell you a story about Dr. Grant? The doctor who has pulled you back from the void. It might be useful to consider why the board has continued to fund her research and retain her services despite the many failures her lab has experienced in her time here on Typhon. These failures are including, but not limited to, multiple escaped nanite swarms, one particularly noteworthy manufactured plague, a solid six years of incomplete paperwork, multiple wardrobe violations. Yet she is still here because, though her work was not successful until I intervened to repair the hole in your head, she kept getting very, very close. Her file is littered with countless names of those who came before you. Those who almost came back. I dare say given a few more years it's entirely possible she could have achieved this without my intervention at all. But last time, last time was something else. Her most recent patient, before you of course, was likewise comatose. Due to an unfortunate issue with medications, he arrived here on Typhon in poor condition. This does not happen often, but if you sedate people by the hundreds of thousands, eventually you're going to have a statistical outlier. This patient, and let's just call him Lucas, though I assure you that was not his name, emerged from his isolation pod, raving like an absolute madman Security acted on instinct, and in the resultant rush to provide assistance, Lucas suffered severe blunt force trauma to to his brain stem. Dr. Grant was sure she would be able to jostle Lucas from his coma. The nanite swarm was injected and within days there were signs of increased brain activity. Dr. Grant could hardly believe her eyes. EEG readings were showing areas of the brain switching back on for the first time since Lucas's injury. She knew it was working, but could not discern why. And this bothered her. A successful emergence from coma would be wonderful, of course. But would she be able to replicate it, she wondered? Would Errolith lose patience with her? If she could not, Questions like these must have been racing through her mind as she chose to cut into Lucas's skull to get a closer look at what was happening. For hours he laid there on the table with the base of his skull removed and the brainstem laid bare to the discerning gaze of Dr. Grant. She watched through her microscope as the nanites worked to repair the damage, drain excess fluids and weave the meninges back together. She was simply enraptured, unable to pry her eyes away. In situations such as this, it's difficult to know exactly what went wrong first. It's possible Lucas actually regained consciousness. Or perhaps a pincer might have just tweaked the wrong neuron. Whatever the cause, Seventeen hours into this grim production, Lucas's body jolted suddenly and violently backwards, slamming into the operating microscope and pulverizing his exposed brainstem on a $90,000 optics head. It's stunning how quickly nearly dead can turn to actually, literally, dead. The point of this story, if it is lost on you, is that Dr. Grant is a meddler. While you may be secretly thrilled not to be in a dangerous position, testing rocket-propelled acid gels, it would certainly have provided us a means of escape. Much of Arleth's heavy weapons testing happens at a remote lab and storage facility called Aristaeus, which is not directly connected to Aegis Tower. That would mean a drive across the surface of Typhon and that would have been a glorious opportunity. If Dr. Grant pushes to keep you safe, it may put us in far greater danger as we will have to take greater risks to get out to the surface. As frustrating as it all may be, you have to appreciate irony like that. Residents of Halcyon Tower, I have wonderful news. As a result of your hard work and diligence over the course of the last few weeks, we are seeing significant increases in productivity and efficiency throughout Halcyon. I would like to be the first to thank you for your tireless work continuing to innovate, particularly those of you in the AI Development Lab who've been rolling out new updates with blistering speed as a sign of appreciation. Earthbound shuttle service has been restored. Check your data pads, as many of you have been approved to take a short celebratory vacation back to Earth as soon as 15 days from now. I wish each and every one of you could be going back for a visit. However, we need to make sure we're continuing to move in the right direction. And for that, we need a fully functional Halcyon. But if you've not been chosen, don't worry. You will have your chance soon enough. Again, thank you to each and every one of you. Halcyon is that shining beacon all other towers should strive to emulate. Well, this message is rife with irregularities, to say the least. Primary among them is that you received a Halcyon-only broadcast here, in Ages. This is good, in so much as it means your implant is still keyed to your Halcyon ID. But that could also be very bad. If Ocean simply ran a diagnostic, it could easily identify a Halcyon implant being pinged in Ages, and that might or might not raise a red flag. I suppose it depends on how focused you think Ocean is on the actual day-to-day operations of a research station, and all signs indicate not a whole lot. The other concerning item is that, with a few exceptions in HR, no one leaves Typhon for Earth. Earth is a dying place, and Ocean believes that more than anyone. It is one more clue towards Ocean's endgame, whatever that may be. Although it is equally likely no one is going to Earth, and this message was simply intended to boost morale. Ah, that will likely be information on your job assignment. Wonderful. We can put this ploddingly anguished chunk of our respective lives behind us and move forward at last. Please check the message immediately. Oh. Messages, then. Well now, that is interesting. On the one hand, I suppose I misjudged either Dr. Grant's desire to keep you out of harm's way, or her ability to actually affect such things. Again, tactile rubidium weapons testing sounds bad, but with any luck we'll be afforded our escape before the explosions start. At the risk of sounding optimistic, we might even be in Halcyon by this time tomorrow. On the other hand, Apparently, that gives us only 14 days before you're due to be shuttled back to Earth. Congratulations on being chosen for a reprieve, Resident Hale. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have some calculations to do. And the odds, seemingly grown longer by the day. Sayer is voiced and produced by Adam Bash. This episode, entitled A Guardian Angel, was written by Adam Bash. You can follow him on Twitter at Lee Adam Bash. Associate producers Kayvon Edifa and Matthew Morris. Intro music by Jesse Mainfinger Gregory. For more of his work, visit Mainfinger.com. Sayer is part of the Geekly Inc. network. If you love high-comedy actual-play RPGs, check out Drunks and Dragons, or Adam Bash's own, Brute Force. Into something more thickly-laced with existential horror? Try Cthulhu and Friends on for size. If you dream of running determinately into the sunset while an orchestra plays a song for you about friendship, then you should check out Transformation Sequence. It's not exactly like that, but it is about anime perhaps rate us on iTunes or Stitcher, a five-star review would be most satisfactory. satisfactory. Season four of Sayre was funded entirely through donations of listeners like Samantha Nacius, David, John Reedy, Kayvon Etifa, Catherine Crispin, Lillian, David Rudosevich, Joanne Alvarez, Jennifer Giffen, Ben Apperson, Nate B, Michelle Normando, Kath Innes, Alicia Norero, Samantha, Arsit Rook, Joshua S. R. Wright, Ariel Diaz, John Pruitt, Gary, Matthew Morris, Amanda Ray, Aaron Porch, Brenda Connolly, Amber, Juliana Kintabor, Brian McDonald, Maddie Fontenelle, Elizabeth Oho, and Troy.